You're listening to the Just Giants Podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I am your host, the Football Grump. With me, as always, is Mike, the Cranky Fan, and we are back after another shellacking. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the dream is dead. It was a great dream. It was, I still feel like I'm dreaming, you know, considering 12 months ago we were talking about, you know, kneel downs on third down and, uh, you know, firing everybody and, being rock bottom, wanting to get rid of ownership, get rid of everything, burn the uh, burn the stadium down, and here we are on a Saturday night in you know January, watching the second round of the playoffs with the Giants. So, a lot of emotions to talk about here. This is the first time in such a long time that I have had a feeling like this. Where if you go back to 2016 and that playoff run they they dropped the ball against the Packers and that's super disappointing even though we knew that was going to be a tough game because we also knew that we had spent every dime to make that season happen. Mm-hmm. You go back to 2011 the last you know playoff appearance, Super Bowl win, okay? So that it doesn't get any higher than that. You go back before that, 2008 mega disappointment. Um that's as far back as you have to go to think about a letdown season where you're not like, well, what do we do next year? Like, it's all gone. This is a team on the upswing. It's yeah. a totally different feeling than the 2016 loss. It's a different feeling than the 2011 win. It's somewhere in between the 2011 win and the 2008 loss. Well, you know, the, 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 the two Super Bowl wins with Coughlin were like, those weren't great teams. They were teams that got hot. So it was like it wasn't kind of like a of a build over like three or four years like the the Bucks team in the early two thousands or these other teams that you know you could say Buffalo and in, in that group that's like they're building towards something they've been waiting for three or four years has been a core and then just devastation disappointment those wins were like kind of out of nowhere um, so now that there's expectation and that's why I woke up Sunday morning not just like in the dumps and like, I don't want to talk about football. I don't want to watch these playoff games on Sunday. It was all right, let's get to work, you know, and, and excitement over for it, as opposed to still being upset. Was that, that was your feeling Sunday morning when you woke up or what were you? I, I was in a no football mood for Sunday morning. Uh, I transitioned to football in the afternoon. Oh, I, I kind of, I, I, the, the playful snowfall of the Buffalo game and my indifference to the results of it kind of brought me back to it. If that wasn't a snow game, I probably wouldn't have paid as much attention, if that makes any sense. Yeah, you know, two things for me. One, I don't really care who wins in the NFC. I never really do. And B, you know, I had to kind of get ready for the San Francisco game with, the, you know, the cranky wife getting very excited. So I know we had plans to go watch and everything. So it was like, okay, I can't just sit there like a mope, but – Again, when I woke up, my first thought was, okay, I've turned the page. That's over. The ride, the, the, the fairy tale is over. The, the, the ass kicking is over. I'm ready to start thinking about how does this team get better for September. And 
I haven't had that feeling in, I don't know. Because usually, like you said, when you lose, you don't want to think about it, especially when you have higher expectations. Um, maybe, I don't, I don't know. I'm trying to think of like after like the, the win against Buffalo in 91 thinking, but then again, Parcells quit. Yeah, and the, then so I mean, the point is yeah. you have to go way back. In time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, we're going to talk a little bit about this game, but um, the Eagles walloped us, obviously. Um, but a lot of this is just getting to this game is such a insane thing. Like, like you said, 12 months ago, we were complaining about sneaks. I was wondering what the hell content we were even going to produce for the final like four weeks of the season. Uh, like, yeah. really, like, when we talk about seasons being over before Halloween and stuff like that, that may be frustrating as a fan. But, like, for us to even come up here and just be like, well, you know, they have to go out there and try and run block on we Sunday. We were just going to do random Google searches and just read Wikipedia pages. We had nothing to talk about. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> this game was an absolute disaster, and it got to be a disaster right away. And I think – um, we're going to go through stars and farts here. Do you have any stars? Uh, yes, I do. I have a star to give out to uh, Bobby and Justin for talking giants for the watch party, you know, and for having the two watch parties during the playoffs. I think, you know, when you're watching these playoff games, you kind of want to close ranks. You don't want to be around the riffraff. You don't want to be around people that are like, you know, have these stupid opinions because they obviously haven't been watching and, watching with a bunch of people that we know and new friends we met and you know thanks to them to setting this up and 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 being able to watch together so they get the star and that's probably it yeah that that really is a huge accomplishment that they were able to put together two different watch parties um this one on on fairly short notice and it was a great time there were extra tickets that sold as well it was a lot of fun yeah, uh, I mean, as fun as a game like this could have been, honestly. Yeah, um, but I mean, like they were like throwing yeah. shirts around and shit. Like yeah. it was, it was, it was a good time. Um, and I don't think anybody there was truly fucking miserable. Did you get that sense? I think everybody kind of. I think that crowd was smart enough to be like in the back of their minds, "This is house money." Yeah, Philly really is better than us. I mean, we all hate Philly with a passion, but they all kind of knew. You know, it's again, if, they, if you're listening to that show, you're not just some doofus, you know, and I, I think everybody in the back of the room that I knew this was a real distinct possibility that this could happen. And it did. And I think people are already in. Let's talk about re-signing Daniel Jones or Saquon Barkley or next year or the draft. I mean, how much we talked a lot about the draft more than we talked about probably in the last three months, the draft last on Saturday night. So I think people kind of were in the back of their mind prepared for it. And, uh, yeah. And we were all kind of in it together. So, I, mm-hmm. but one, I do have a star for this game. We're not going to talk about that yet. Um, okay. I'm going to give out a fart instead because the star did not go to the guys that made this season um, incredible. And I mean, the players on the field individually on certain games here and there, they all stepped up and they were worthy of the stars that we gave out. But throughout the year, from about this time last year maybe a little sooner, up until now, what got the Giants moving forward was the coaching staff and the front office. And the fart goes to the coaching staff because they were, 
I wouldn't say that. I mean, there were questionable coaching calls throughout the game, but I think more importantly, schematically, they were just backwards wrong with yeah. their approach to this game. Defensively, we didn't see guys being pressed at the line of scrimmage. Um, and it was pitch and catch for a lot of it. And I, I, that that's like that was one that was just like straight up coaching and just sitting back in zone and playing soft instead of playing aggressive. All of that, I, I, I don't like losing that way. That's not just, how I like to play. Just go back to our episode last week and what were our keys to the game. And we said... Jalen Hurts needs to be made uncomfortable and need to be made uncomfortable very early. And we did nothing of the sort. Nothing we, at all. If you look at guys who are seven, eight, nine, ten yards off the line of scrimmage to the corners, you know, we did I didn't see anything exotic from a blitz package to make him, you know, you know, he, and he looked like a quarterback throughout the game. It didn't look like he wanted to get hit. I mean, oh, not yeah. as not 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 in the Tom Brady level of you know, no. completely avoiding to, but definitely looked if not ginger, just very self-aware of trying not to get himself hurt. Sure. And I mean, you saw the protecting of the shoulder when he was running into contact. Of course. Right. So I just think that, you know, that was our thought was, you know, when you aren't the better team, you have to do things to create situations to make yourself competitive and try to win. And it was just very disappointing. Um, we're not going to put this in the coaching you know, fartness, but to me, I have said this on this show and I've said this for 30 years. Oh, we'll refer to that as the fart cloud from now on. The, the fart cloud, yes. I Part of that aggressiveness to me is opening kickoffs. I know it just, a lot of people disagree with me, but I always want the ball first. And especially in a game like this where the last thing you want to do is fall behind early and have it, you know, momentum go on their side. And to me, I'm not putting that in the fart cloud, but I would have started off with that aggressiveness by saying, give me the ball. Let's see if we can score first. I know the the final drive in the first half and first the second half could be, you know, game changing things, but I was kind of half joking, half not to grump, saying, Well, that second half kickoff might be completely irrelevant by the time we get the ball, and it almost was. So I, I know we differ we differ in opinion on getting the ball first, but I it, the game started off to me as like really think we should get the ball first in this game. I'll say it's not an end-all, be-all for me. Um, I think there are there are matchup yeah. scenarios in which you might want uh, the ball first or you might want to defend first. You know, I, I think that their, their matchup-based is is more my opinion. But I, I agree with you in, in that sense. Because um, when we were there, you were saying, like, with their better team, I just want to get out ahead of them. I want to keep the mm-hmm. pace. Um and and that makes sense to me. That's that's a fair opinion. I don't, I don't have any yeah. issue. I I wouldn't have had an issue if they took the ball first either. It also like, doesn't. I I don't put that into the fart cloud either. Is something like God? Oh, what a screw up! It's just my no my because it's opinion. not. Yeah. it's not. No 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 no. Um, uh, you, have, what, you have sixty minutes to play after that. <laughs> um, but what about I going think, for it on fourth and eight? I thought it was atrocious. That was. That was I brutal. for for two reasons. One, it came right after a sack. Mm-hmm. So that crowd was already fired up and, and, and you know, the defense is already, you know, tasting blood. I don't mind so much where we were in the field. It's just getting eight yards when we didn't have, you know. Oh, yeah. Much it was in- definitely down in distance decision making that I didn't agree with. Exactly. And it's just, uh, you know, that, <laughs> you know, once we, we didn't even come close, you know, then we're in major, major trouble. They get the ball and they score again. And it, it, we're, we're, 
were kind of cooked. Um, the, the decision to punt late in the game on that thing, to me, that does it. The game was over at that point. Um, if you want to signal to your team you're not quitting, maybe we try to go for it there. But I think people are lumping the two of those together as right. as, as a like inconsistencies right, thing or just long not, calls. Yeah. But it's not. It's the, 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 all the marbles was that one early on. The one late, late in the game. You know, the game was over, and I even questioned to you, like, I would have had Daniel Jones out of that game at that point because they were teeing off on him. And again, a guy with uh, who's – they want to have their future going forward and who has no contract next year. Why are we risking him getting hurt when they are – you know, that is a punk bitch organization, Philly. And again, well, their know, mission – I'm, I'm Their gonna, mission – Wait, wait, wait. This is going to transition to what you're saying. Yes. That fart for coaching goes to – all coaches, and that includes Nick Sirianni for being a douche. And this yeah. is going to sound like sour grapes, Giants fan. I honestly don't really care, but I mean, you can't tell me that deciding to put Boston Scott in for the first time or whatever when when it's first and goal at the one, like he isn't even like your your hitter running. You just you did that just to increase the stigma on that and whatever. Maybe that's psychological warfare, or whatever. But like lining up to go for two when it's yeah. twenty seven nothing, going and lining up in a fake punt formation and trying to draw like just stop you fucking piece of shit. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. So you you can edit this out, but I'm not that- gonna. This that is a cunt organization. A, I said he is it on a Twitter. fucking cock gobbler. And yeah, I'm, but, you know what? I'm well, glad. it's not just him. It's that whole organization. He is the perfect guy. He's the perfect head coach for that team because for the last X amount of years, their mission in life is to troll us, and it's getting over on us, owning the Giants. That's all they care about. I mean, we saw it two years ago in that game against Washington. Where they 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 you know they bench hurts just they want to see some scrub knowing that it would screw us you know they they just the, the city of Philadelphia has this incredible inferiority complex over you know their bigger better neighbors to the north and they know they are New York's little bitch in everything you know think of culture think of food think of how good looking their women are think of everything their smell. They're all inferior to New York, and that's, if that's their one thing to get over on us, congratulations. Your football team's better than ours. You're still miserable garbage down there, and that's just – so they, they hire a guy who's a troll master to be a coach. Is he a good coach? Eh, maybe. Good team, good record. Also a lot of good talent too. You know, if you want to stick him on you know, the Giants, is, that, is this team a playoff team with him? I don't know. Probably not, but that's my point. They are they are a classless team, a classless organization from a classless city. And we pointed out just now four things that they did that makes you realize what kind of garbage crap they are. I'm gonna give you a hot take here. All right. I don't I don't know if you're gonna agree with this. I am glad that he has embraced that shitty culture of just consistently elbowing us. In the ribs, because I kind of like this sort of, um, I mean, rivalry seems obvious between franchises, but I mean, it's more than that now. It's because we have two brand new front, fairly new front offices, two fairly new head coaches, and they're growing at the same time. Philly started earlier than us, so they have a couple year head start. And I honestly hope that this develops into a long standing 
back and forth rivalry between these. I honestly think it's good for the sport. I think it gets the fans more yeah. into it. And I, I think he's a piece of shit for everything that he did. But I hope we do it right the fuck back. Well, I love that. Such, I, I, I mean, I, like, I, honestly, what would, what would Florida sports be for you if you didn't have a Georgia or a Florida State? Would you enjoy well, it nearly as much if you well, just had no you're rivals? Taking, you're, you're taking my thoughts right out of my head because I 100% agree with you. It's like – Steve Spurrier was an incredible asshole, and he was a dick, and he's out pretty much like a Sirianni for other fans, but he was mine, and I loved him. They hire coaches like that, and they, they, they want to have uh, a culture like that because it's for them. It's for their fans. So you know, it gives them a sense of pride, however warped and demented that might be, but that is good for them. That makes them – the ticket in town in Philly and part of the, the culture of Philadelphia where everybody wears green. You know, I, I was there, I don't know how many, like 10 years ago, we were there in August for something. It was a night of a, a preseason game. And I was shocked for a big city like Philly to be that into a preseason game. So good for them. And not only is it two teams in the NFC East that have new front offices and head coaches, there's a very good chance that, the other two teams in this division might be the same way very, very shortly. You know, so you might have a complete changing of the guard in this complete division, and they may be embracing their, you know, these rivalries that are, you know, 50, 60 years old, if you include Dallas and the other ones that are, you know, 70, 80 years old. So I agree with you. We want this to be the marquee division in football. You know, it's the one. Now, I don't know, Grump, you're not going to like the fact that most of these games are going to be on primetime going forward, but yeah. that's going to be a, a, you know, I I prefer them just because of my travel schedule personally, but we want, you want to have games that are relevant. We've been bitching since this show started of having meaningless football after October. Well, guess what? Even if these teams aren't in the playoffs, these two teams hate each other, and if, you know, Giants-Eagles next year, boy, that game comes to the Meadowlands, that's going to be, you know, I expect this Giants crowd to be just as awful as those pigs are down there. If they show up, but I'm expecting that that will start happening. I think this all all fans want is hope, and for so long you have no hope, you get beaten down, and you look at your tickets as a way to make money or just break even. Now all of a sudden that you have a product that you can be proud of, you know we don't think next year that going to the playoffs is we're just happy to be there my expectation is going to be that not only are you going to try to make the playoffs my goal is to be 52 weeks from now in the conference championship game to get better and better so the fans will they'll follow they everybody's got a certain set of bandwagoners too and just a diehard to really get diehard for it so they'll come i'm not worried about it. well we'll we'll see if uh if we have the game early enough in the year next year if if Giants fans show up, I, I, maybe maybe MetLife was half Eagles fans this year because they were what, a one loss team when we played them, and we were at that point kind of on a downward slide. Yeah, I I, I think a lot of Giant fans, the ones that bought in bought in early. The other ones were still very wait and see ish, and then we started that little slide, and it was like we saw you knew what the schedule was. I forget it was off the top of my head, but it was. You know, playoff team, playoff team, playoff team in a row, and we didn't look very playoff esky. So it's okay. But a lot of things, there'll be a lot of momentum for this team in the offseason from the fans, the media, all of this. And don't be fooled that one bad game 
is going to squelch that. Yeah, we're, we're, we're actually talking more in the direction of what I want to talk about, but I don't want to skip over the game. There are a couple yeah. things I want to go over. Yep. Um, so I'm just going to kind of rifle through some stuff really quickly. I thought Saquon Barkley actually played a good game. I think he was my one star that I was going to give out. It's not really his fault. He wasn't super involved in this game, but he had nine carries for 61 yards. One of them was a 40 yard burner. Um, he had uh, two catches on three targets for 21 yards. So overall about 82 yards on 11 touches of the football. That's pretty damn good. And I would say that it's not all him. He didn't, you know, juke out seven guys out of their shoes to get all those yards. But the run blocking was actually consistently decent throughout this game. Um, and, you know, for what it's worth, Barkley took advantage of that. He also had the, I, I don't know if it was a designed handoff to Brita or a zone read where he actually had an end to read. Um, but I know he's handle, he's responsible I, for that handoff on the touchdown as well. Yeah, I, I guess we're looking for positives. I mean, you know, Part of the reason why he wasn't involved is we're down so fast, so quickly that your running game is not going to happen. You're not going to be relying on it as much. And, you know, we just didn't have that many possessions and that many uh, plays. I mean, it was a combination of really just having the ball. I mean, they weren't quick strike scores. They just eight clock, eight clock, kept getting third downs, conversions. And, you know, I think we had 12 or 13 plays at halftime. It's nothing. So, you know, you can't get, it's hard to get the guys like Saquon into groups when you just don't have that many opportunities. Yeah, sure. I mean, I'm just saying for when he did touch the ball, he performed. There's only that much that he can do. Farts, yeah. I'm going to give some general ones. The pass blocking was bad. Um, I, I would not characterize Jones as having to having had to run for his life, um, but I will say – the problem was that they struggled to block four guys rushing the passer for more than like three seconds. So when they could just drop seven guys into coverage and blanket everything we had, um, it was just a matter of time before it was going to break down and Jones had nowhere to go. A lot of times also they kind of kept a spy. The Eagles, honestly, I'm going to be completely honest, they didn't do a whole lot defensively that was like, groundbreaking it was all very obvious things to stop the giants i i don't have an answer for why other teams haven't been doing it but yeah as, yeah, if they you have more get, talent yeah if, if you can get pressure with just four or five guys keep a spy on daniel jones i mean yes it's true they have more talent but i don't know that teams even really attempted to do any of this shit if i'm being yeah. honest I, I don't know but the pass blocking was bad it, it was not as bad as we have seen here where like you know, even two years ago, you had guys literally in Barkley's face, in Jones's face, less than two seconds after the ball snapped. But it was it was bad enough. And I would say tackling. This seemed to be a common theme in losses this year, but there were just way, way, way too many yards after contact. Giants going for the big hit and not wrapping instead, um, or or running backs just dragging tacklers behind them. It's been a common theme in losses this year, and this game was no different. Do you uh, do you give Daniel Jones a fart for that performance? That is my final fart. I don't think that Jones was particularly bad. Um, I'm not saying that. I'm not putting the loss on Jones, but he wasn't. He was not playoff Daniel. He needed no. to be better, and you know he he was not the reason they were they lost. But he just wasn't as sharp as we've seen him in the last couple of weeks, and that's not 
I don't think that's really. I, I think it was just he was just a little off in a I, game where the coverage was just that much tighter and the pressure was just that much more. I'm going to give him a a brain fart. I guess I just don't think he played a very smart game. No, I he didn't. That, I mean, there were times he should have thrown the, the ball away and he didn't. Yeah, exactly. You know, things like that where I just um, look. Daniel Jones, his growth in his career is not going to be a straight upward pattern. It's it, there's it's going to be kind of I think like a Trevor Lawrence. Although Trevor Lawrence, you know, is more talented and stuff is probably a higher upside than Daniel Jones. Where you're going to see, you know, very impressive a step back, impressive, a step back and things getting better and better. And I, it's, and this is just one of those step back games for Daniel Jones. I think his highs are getting higher. His lows aren't as low as they used to be, but there will still be lows in him. And he has to be more consistent, have a baseline of, we can expect this from him. And that means, you know, accuracy, decision-making gutsiness, all those type of things. And, you know, that's going to be the million dollar question is, you know, will he continue that growth with us or with a different team? Yeah. And, and, and to be clear, he was just slightly off in this game uh, and, and it wasn't all him either. I mean, I could rattle off his stats, but we'd be ignoring what would have been like a 70 yard touchdown throw to Richie James. Had he not dropped it? Um, you know, it, it was just, I think more so than anything, this game highlighted that DJ had been playing at an above average level for most of the year this year and elevating this team. And in this game, he played just average. And that and was that's just... coming off and it's coming off a game where he's, he was above average all year and he played in an elite level last week. So the expectations were higher. And, you know, coming right off an elite game to this game, the drop off seems worse than it actually is for what he is. The, the bottom line from this game, you know, we I think we've we've had our stars, we've had our farts, we had a little bit of our breakdown. We're not in the mood to really get into a super breakdown. It's, no, I mean that's it. The, that's the it, bottom right. line is, Philly is a one seed, a very good team, a, an elite team in this league. They're in that top tier in the NFC, and we are not in that top tier. Um, we had to play a perfect game to beat them. Uh, coaching scheme, game plan. Coaching calls, play, execution, and we just weren't perfect. And if you're not perfect in that hostile environment against an elite team, you are going to lose. And a couple bad breaks here and there, and it runs out of control. So that's, you know, you can do all we can do all the you know analysis and and thoughts that we want, but it kind of just boils down to that. And it's, so, that's all right because so that's what we are. Ricky Bobby line: If you're not first, you're last. Like yeah. <laughs> well, Vince Lombardi said, you know, show me what, show me a good luck. Show me a good loser and I'll show you a loser. Mm. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Right. My, my favorite though is still the, the money ball line. If you lose the last game of the year, nobody gives a shit. Yeah. So that's kind of it. Um, so tell me about these team tiers. Yeah. What tier do you think the giants are in right now? Right now. I think we are in the second tier in the NFC. I mean, there is definitely a tier one. You know, it is it is Philly, it is San Francisco, and I'm going to put Dallas in that also. I think we are in that same tier with the Minnesotas, and I'm going to put I'm going to elevate Washington up to that also. Where you know Washington, for you know we 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 can kind of make fun of them a little bit, but they still beat Philly. You know, they tied us. You know, they they're. they're 
I think we are at the top of that second tier, and I think Washington is at the bottom of that second tier. But I still think Washington is in a tier above you know, the entire NFC South. Um, I think we can put Seattle at the in that second tier as well. Did you put Detroit in there? Um, no. Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay, no. I think we're above. I think we're we're in a tier above those teams. I know Detroit beat us. Green Bay. But I'm just trying Green, to think if anyone else belongs. No, I think that second tier is a very small band. I think there's a lot of very average and a lot of mediocre teams in the in the NFL and in the NFC. I think the only teams that have a the teams that have a legitimate chance once you're in the playoffs, you know, to upset an elite team. I think were us, Minnesota. And I think possibly a Washington too, too. I know they're not in it, but I, I just and Seattle. About I think them. you said right. Yeah, and okay. then That's and then up. then we get down to like Detroit, Tampa Bay, maybe the bottom of that tier. Maybe I uh, see the Rams. You know, with the injuries and stuff. Green I don't Bay. know. They're... Yeah, Green Bay. I what do you, you think? No, I, I, I agree with you. I, I would say that that's fairly close. I might bump Detroit up a little bit because I think when I think about what it takes in the playoffs to cause some havoc, I think of a coaching advantage, and I think Detroit probably has that. Mm-hmm. I think that they have a coaching advantage. I think they could fuck stuff up if they go to the playoffs. Um, so I might I, bump them up, but I'm, I'm not going to fight you on where you have them. Uh, but do you agree with me that Dallas belongs in that Yes. Elite tier in the NFC. I mean, I know they lost, but you know something. Well, I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to talk about that game in its detail, but I would say that the things holding them back are the two biggest things that can hold you back, and it would be coaching, coaching quarterback, and quarterback yeah. play. Yeah, and I, I have been saying it since Jason Garrett and Dak Prescott were there, but I didn't say it when Tony Romo was there. I firmly believe that I was more afraid. I firmly believe it was my own opinion. I was more afraid of Tony Romo back there than Dak Prescott. You know, everybody thinks it's an assumption that uh, Sean uh, Sean Payton's going to go there. But who is the last the last elite coach Dallas has had under Jerry Jones? I mean, do you have to include their time there and what they did there? Because Parcells was there, but he didn't. Right. That's the last one. That's the last elite coach that. He is hired. There's something about Jerry Jones to me that doesn't make me think that the Sean Payton thing's a lock. Where I certainly don't think it's a lock. I have never said thought it was. Haven't I always been the one like, eh, are you sure he really wants to go there? Oh, but I mean, I think everybody thinks that he's going to make a full court press to try to get him. Mm. And I'm saying, don't be so sure of that. I think Jerry Jones, at the end of the day, likes to be the big swinging dick in that organization. And if someone like a Sean Payton or a Jim Harbaugh or whoever is hired to be the coach that takes some shine off of Jerry. I think there's and, something to that. I think that, and I think that's why Parcells was only there for like what, a year, two years, just a couple of years, but look at the doorknobs they've had, like the, you know, the Dave They're all wet blankets. Yeah. Even Mike McCarthy, he's a wet blanket. He's a, he's he's a, a wet blanket. Yeah. Um, but I, but I agree with you. Dallas belongs in there. And if they had, we, we've said this already, so I don't need to rehash it, but we both think that if Daniel Jones were there, they're a better team. Agreed. And and I'm sure a Cowboys fan is shitting out his intestines the moment he hears that, but that's 
probably because he's not very smart and drank bleach or something. Well, so. well, you know something a Cowboy fan at this time has been with Dak Prescott for so long and they've done so little in the playoffs that it's not as crazy as no, they it's might not. Think and he, he kind of is getting a shitload of criticism, but this is not a Cowboys podcast and no. I don't care. So, let's well, we talk. do care a little bit. It's a division got the division team we should worry about. Yeah, and yeah. and we want to be able to compete with them and the Eagles and we want to keep the Commanders as a firm fourth in this division but yes um so this season's over it was a fantastic season and i'm I'm not just saying this was honestly a lot of fun we've had better seasons you and i uh but not this show and uh we didn't know as many people that we know now and and like the, yeah. the idea that we went to you know we went across the pond and ran into people that know us <laughs> is, is, is insane that that like if i had some ability to have heard this episode before the season started or a year ago, I'd be like, that's never going to happen. But that's what did happen. And that, you know, going to watch parties and stuff like that to see playoff victories, those ideas were so, so, so far in the future for us. Well, um, me... So this was a fantastic season. I just want to acknowledge that. Oh. Even though Saturday was a piece of shit pegging, again, a second pegging from the Eagles, um, starting to think we like it. I, I don't. Um, well, my thought, you know, again, after the game, I was more angry at the fact that who we lost to than the fact that we lost a playoff game. And that is, you know, that's the culmination of this year being a little bit of a fairy tale for us. You know, we knew that there's going to be a lot of work to build this roster to make it, you know, consistently competitive. And there still is a lot of work to be done. Let's not fool ourselves. We are not just one or two guys away from being an elite team. We still have to, you know, we, we still have some work to do in the draft. We have to, you know, our salary cap is finally managed, but now we are a real football team. And now we can be real fans in the way you're supposed to be is having high hopes in the off season, excited for this first game of the year, thinking you have a chance to. And fruitful you know, conversation. Yeah. I mean, most of our conversations were the fucking most obvious thing. We were trying to find something else to talk about because, you know, it was just like, oh, this Daniel Jones is the guy. What well, it's all we in hope. It's all future things we were talking about. It's like, well, what do you think we're going to do in the draft? What do you think, you know, salary cap? You know, are we going to restructure Leonard Williams? Oh, Bar- Barkley. Now it's more like for now. Like, what are we doing for now? Not worrying about the future of this team and, you know, worrying about foundational pieces. I think we – the conversation becomes more tweaky than it is philosophical or, you know, who knows in the future type things. So let's get into it. Today, Brian Dable and Joe Shane had a press conference. I actually did listen to it even though I usually don't. It just lined up with nicely with my job, honestly. But – um, the reason I don't usually watch those is because they're usually notoriously cagey. They always seem to have these press conferences before they have the important conversations that are required to answer all of the questions that are asked at the press conference. Uh, that is partly by design, but also partly because we ask all the wrong questions, all ones we <laughs> know that they don't have the answer to. So most of these questions were about Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley's future here. It wasn't that long ago that there was an article written that some report leaked that there was mutual interest between uh, all three of those parties to return and that 
you know, the Giants were offering more than one-year deals to them. That was on the table. We speculated at the time who leaked that, and, you know, you made a great point. It was probably the organization putting the ball in their court, having to face the media pressure and the fan pressure to be wanted to return, etc. Um, or, or maybe just to show that there is fan support for something like that. I guess both of those guys had rocky tenures here. I don't really know. But the point is, they were a lot more lukewarm about that report. Um, there was a lot of denial. Basically, it, it was summed up like this. The, the interest is real. That is a real report. Um, the Giants want both of those guys back. They've said it multiple times. The indication I got was that they are slightly, slightly more adamant about bringing Daniel Jones back than Saquon Barkley. And by that, I mean just word choice. So it could just be the words he chose and not intentional. So well, that I, has really nothing to do with it. I think before we even start talking about what the coach to say, let's back up a step and kind of comment on what Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley themselves said. I think that's kind of like chapter one in this book that we you know this offseason dance that we're going to be doing with these guys you know daniel jones uh saquon barkley i sounded more like he wanted to come back than daniel jones and i'm going to preface this by saying i don't care what these guys say i don't care what coaches say to me it's all bullshit to me it's all posturing because negotiations don't factor into any of this stuff it's ultimately come down to money but if we want to put it on the surface, what they actually said, you know, Saquon Barkley is saying, like, you know, everybody knows I want to stay here. You know, I'm not looking to reset the market for what a running back should get. I just, you know, want it to be fair. Where Daniel Jones was really went to, you know, it's kind of a business decision. And, you know, Daniel Jones, you know, I kind of feel for the guy a little bit. And I, you know, I'm glad this is finally his time because he's had a rough you know, four, uh, five years here, or however long it's been, four years, uh, four years. You know, you brought this up many times, how this is a guy that was booed at Yankee Stadium after the draft. The guy that the media has destroyed almost the entire time he's been here. You know, we've been talking about who are they going to draft next year for quarterback, and everybody assumed when they dropped the the fifth year option, he was not going to be back after this year. This was a lame duck year, so you know this is a chance for Daniel Jones to kind of get you know for the first time have hand on all of this and actually, you know whether it's setting public perception or these are his true feelings. Like I don't think it's a given that he loves this organization and wants to stay here. Not like Barkley, who I generally think wants to be a giant more what do you think well for starters i agree with uh just about everything you said and and i couldn't this is kind of weird because i couldn't really put myself in daniel jones's shoes in under any circumstances at all um i i'm not that athletic so i never You're not had smart this. enough to go to he's not smart enough to go to duke I'm not. Sure. I'm not. I'm not. And, uh, you know, whatever. I, I couldn't do any of this stuff. So it's hard to imagine being in his position. But it's hard to imagine myself wanting to return somewhere like this, that treated him like this, like he was a punchline to a joke that hasn't been told yet. Mm -hmm. I, I really, honestly, was being booed before he ever did anything. He did, his Can name was called, and suddenly that was his fault. Can you imagine if you were at a place you really didn't, you had trouble with, a rocky relationship, and you get a new boss? And the first thing that new boss does 
is gives you a kind of a vote of no confidence, and I'm not going to pick you up next year for sure. I mean, that's not getting off on the right foot as far as a relationship and a confidence from your side. That's probably, you know, hopefully he used that for motivation for this year, but I don't think you forget things like that. No, I don't think so either. And I don't know how that conversation went. Joe Shane, the face he presents to the media is a uh, fairly nice guy, I think. But, I mean, his moves are his moves, and he's kind of a cold-blooded killer yeah. so i don't really know how that conversation went and you know you and i talked about that and we're like if this is really a prove it year for the kid you're fucking him over i mean he's got nothing in front he's throwing to nobody he's got nothing in front of him like th- this is not a, a real prove it year this is bullshit and i'm sure he felt something like that but at the same time you know i look at that and it's like brian dable and mike kafka were very open with him they communicated all the time right from the get-go what do you like to play what do you like to run they were very inclusive with him they let him be a part of his prove it year so i don't know how how much that one impacted him i don't know but what i will say is saquon barkley seems to wear emotion on his face and you can see it throughout his time here and mm-hmm. the questions he's had to answer due to injury the team performance you know etc Daniel Jones could pass a polygraph test with Navy SEALs, man. So I, I don't, yeah. I don't, I, I think he is exactly doing what you were saying at the very beginning, and that's just letting his agent take care of it. And he's just very mm-hmm. skilled at keeping a dead, lifeless face and answering the questions that he is contractually required to. And answer. quite honestly, and that's, that's quite honestly, if you ask me, do I rather have a Daniel Jones answering questions? Or an Odell Beckham answering questions. It's it not is even without question. Without question, I want these guys. Or even an Aaron Rodgers, right? Yeah, I don't want. I don't want an Aaron Rodgers. I don't need something that's said that's all of a sudden going to be the, the first topic on hot take shows the next day. Just do your job. You're, we, we we don't buy your jersey. We don't root for you because of what you say. We do it because of what you do on the field. Very um, simple. Just some – so this is kind of sort of the end of the show here. Um, that's mainly what's happened though so far. But we're going to kind of just spend a couple minutes to talk about what we're doing going forward. So this is, you know, weird. We've never had to cover a playoff game and then transition into offseason. We usually got a head start on offseason <laughs> stuff. And uh, we would kind of talk about the playoffs to cover time while on the back end doing offseason work. And, you know, a lot of that stuff was set up for conversation. That didn't happen this year. Um, so there's a lot of stuff that's going to go on this year. This is a super important off season for this front office, this coaching staff that has done so much with so little. Um, this is really their chance to move the needle and move the giants farther out of that second tier and more into that first tier of NFC teams that we were talking about before the giants have over $50 million in cap space. They have a ton of decisions to make. They have something like nine draft picks as well. Mm -hmm. There is a ton to work with. There is certainly more to work with this offseason than they had last offseason. You know, as you know, as well as this team did and as Cinderella as they would, this roster is going to look different next year. You know, it's there's going to be there's going to be some more turnover. I mean, there's going to be guys on this roster that are not going to be back next year because they probably didn't want them in the first place. But we're stuck with them. You know, some of them are obvious. Some of them may not be as obvious, but. You have more flexibility now, and the question is going to be with this, you know, front office. What do they do in the moves they make? Because 
you're starting with a baseline of a team that made the playoffs. And let's see what these moves can be made to make. We don't want to just be a one and done team or just we're gearing up for a, a, a one or two year window. We want sustainability and we want long term success. So you're right. This is a this is probably the most important offseason we're going to have for quite a while because this is really setting foundation for what we're doing going forward. And uh, we're not taking that lightly at all. So um, I have been doing off-season work literally this entire season. Um, throughout the week, I have started doing all my draft stuff early because I want to present some really, really good draft content this year. I want to be more prepared. And I am. I'm already more prepared. So there will be tons of stuff coming out um, throughout draft season. Even after draft season, there'll be, you know, more in-depth stuff on the guys that the Giants do take. I think we're you and I are going to have tons of conversations about free agency. The Giants mm. have a lot of decisions to make beyond just Jones and Barkley. Um, you know, they have to figure out what they're going to do with Kenny Galladay, if they're going to do anything with Leonard Williams. Um, you know, Dexter Lawrence has to start getting figured out sooner rather than later. Julian and, Love and is on that. Andrew Thomas list. has to be thought about sooner than later, too. Andrew Thomas needs to be thought about sooner rather than later. There's a lot of stuff. I would even say Nick Gates. I think mm-hmm. Nick Gates is someone, you know, with his contract expiring, it's someone that you have to decide, you know, what you want to do with him. Uh, so we're and, and quite frankly, they're not going to be able to, and they shouldn't try and cover all the roster holes with free agency, whether that's resigning their own guys or going out for a shopping spree. So right. they should fill some of those holes with the shopping spree. So we're going to talk about free agents on the market as well over the next coming weeks and such. Um, so do know, you feel? There, go ahead. I was going to say, do you feel that the timeline is now accelerated because of the success of this year? That's actually very funny. That was one of the questions at the press conference. Really? Yeah. <laughs> um, and me, me personally, no. Do I think that the fan perception? Yeah, I think everyone is riding very high. I think that there is still a lot of time for opinions to change. I mean, we could theoretically see, I don't know, San Francisco. You could see the Chiefs win the Super Bowl 56 to nothing and that might shock Giants fans all the way back down to earth is like we are just not close to that you know what well, I mean? let me ask you well let me ask you I guess part two of that question is do you like do you think there'll be some moves that are made that are more in the interest of short term than longer term no okay that's but, I, I mean I, I think I think there are critical moves that might be perceived that way like I mean we, well, let's just talk about it, right? Like wide receiver one, cornerback two. Uh, you know, if they go out and they sign some big name guy, that could be perceived as short terming it. But I would say that that would just be mega filling a hole. There's still tons right. of holes. I right, I, I would not perceive that as a short term solution. I would perceive that as a cornerstone for a long term solution. Yeah, I, I that's I completely agree because. There's going to be, you know, we've seen some teams that are this close making, you know, busting the cap or something just to make a quick fix. And like, this is all we need to win it. And I don't think we're going to be doing that at all. I, don't, I just don't think that, I don't think we're going to let success get to our heads and, and think we have to, you know, think our window is shorter than it is. If that makes sense. 
Um, so we will actually be regrouping. I will be doing a bunch of work next week in the uh, in Mobile, Alabama, the Senior Bowl with the Talking Giants guys. So you can probably – I have no idea what the plan is for that. I'm yeah. sure something will happen. Follow me on Twitter for updates on that. Yeah, so we're not going to have like, – we're done with our Thursday shows unfortunately because the season's over. So we have no more preview shows. And I'm sure next week we'll talk – you'll hear on Twitter what we're going to be doing. But I'd like to – you know. I'd like to get you guys, you know, because you're going to be hanging with the, the Talking Giants crew. Maybe we can get, you know, either have some sort of show where the four of us are on, or a simulcast of what you're doing with them. Um, and if not, we just don't have a show next week. But we'll we'll work on those plans. But there there will be plenty of content. If it's not specifically us, Grump's going to be all over the coverage with uh, with Bobby and Justin. He's going to be working overtime on Twitter. You're going to see his mug more than you ever have ever next week when they're in Mobile. So. You will find us, you know, active somewhere, and we will give you all the information as we get it. Yeah, I'm almost positive that we'll have some kind of episode next week. I just don't know in what capacity or, or what yet. Yeah, yeah. Um, but be sure to follow me on Twitter at football underscore grump for any updates. The Cranky Fan as well at the Cranky Fan, and the show, of course, available on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Play, etc., and most importantly on YouTube. And uh, we will see you all in two weeks or less. Until then, go Giants. Go Giants. Let's go Giants!